0: This, I know this seems biased, it's not. Is that an incredible looking young man <laughs> up on that screen behind me? I mean, that guy just, he has it. And if you don't know what it is, you don't probably have it. But if you do know, then you, you understand. Hey, listen, if you have your notes, go ahead and grab those. While you do that, I've got a few things that I want to take care of first. Let me welcome uh, all of our campuses. Uh, we are one church. We meet in multiple locations, but we literally are one. None are just doing their own thing. They are all together, all the pastors of those churches gather together, we pray, we direct those things, and I want to welcome all of them uh, into place this afternoon uh, and this weekend. Also, um, just, just uh, sort of a, a, a reminder, a, um, a well done, and a plug for something. The reminder is this, um, if you are considering, you've been here for any length of time, and you feel like, hey, this is the church that God has put me at, I want to put roots down here. I want to be committed to this church. I want to be a part of it long-term. So hear what I'm saying. I want to talk to you about membership real quick. Now, membership's one of those things that sounds so elitist, like, you know, is that really something that's necessary? It's not necessary for spiritual growth, but it is a wonderful thing when you commit long-term to something and say, hey, I'm going to be a part of it, and I'm with you over the long haul. God puts us together for long-term. Do you believe that? And so I would like to just invite you to this thought right here. If you know that you know that you're supposed to be a part of this church over the long-term... Then we have a new members dessert coming up. It's October the 21st. It's here at Lone Tree Campus. If you would like to be a part of that, now coming to it doesn't obligate you. We'll actually talk about what it means to be a member. Uh, There's a class right there. And then at the end of it, after you hear what it means to be a member, what what we're asking for commitment-wise, if you're like, I'd like to do that, then there's a chance uh, to sign up after that. But we do ask that if you want to be a member, if you do want to know, like, hey, long-term, what does this look like for me and my family, this is the meeting that you would want to come to, and I want to give you the invitation for that right there. Uh, the next one, this past week, as you heard, was our global outreach. Our missions department uh, spent a week uh, really well done. I don't I, I hope, th- did you get to see any of it and be a part of it? They, just well done. Two of our campuses hosted the Compassion International Trucks, so if you had a chance, uh, I hope you took advantage of it to walk through to see how most of the world lives, not just people in America or Western Europe, but most of the world. And it was a chance to do this. Uh, You were were offered the opportunity to, on your own, sponsor uh, children, underprivileged children, and to help them uh, not only eat and to have clothes, but on a long-going basis, education. What could this look like? Listen to this. Uh, It's 38 bucks a month. More than 300 of you sponsored. uh, More than 300 kids were (laughs) sponsored Uh, by our church lab. What we already do for missions above and beyond any trip that we take. Folks, that's awesome. Think about that right there. That's 300 and some odd lives that'll be changed for eternity. And we are so thankful and so grateful to you for, uh, for your generosity and just for getting it. And last but not least, and uh, I wasn't asked to do this and I'm saying that and it's important. What I'm about to say, many of you will go, I'm gonna get him to do that for me. And um, I, I probably won't do it. Uh, here's, here's the thought. <laughs> Um, there's a young couple that uh, is connected to this church that started this apparel company called In Him. You may have seen them at the mall if you go through Park Meadows. And uh, I just I found out about what they were doing. A lot of their proceeds go back into doing worldwide missions and work here. And uh, I said, Hey, give me a T-shirt. And I will wear it, regardless of what I look like in it. And uh, don't let that keep you from buying a T-shirt, by the way. That, that should not be your deterrent. Uh, it'll actually look better on you than it does on me. But I said, if you guys would provide this for us, Matt and Diane Allen, and they did. And I just want to very quickly, uh, I'm proud of them. I'm proud of the stance that they're making. I'm proud of, they're doing it as a full-time ministry, committing themselves to it and what God has for them. And I just wanted to give them a plug. If you see them at a festival, if you see them in the mall, uh, if you happen to catch them online, in, it's not NIM, in Him. Is what it is. Check it out. It's a it's a great opportunity to do something for the kingdom. Okay, enough of those things. Let's let's jump in. How many of you came to hear this message this this weekend? This yeah. Okay, I, I'm excited about this. Our staff is. We've prayed a long time about it. We've put a lot into it. And I think that the Holy Spirit really has something for us here. Uh, it's called Unseen. Uh, Marcus talked about it just a minute ago in what it means. All of your campus pastors will be referring to it. But Unseen is the idea of the unseen world that we all deal with. Uh, in particular, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. Now, here's what I want to teach with this. It's not so much that I want to educate you on how the devil works, because I don't want to give the devil any glory in this message. That's not what this is about. But I do want to make you aware, but these are the three things that I walk away with. I want you to be able to recognize spiritual warfare when it's going. Going on in your life, the enemy is most effective when we don't recognize what he's doing. Do you agree with that? It, it's sort of like you know, if something's going on and you're just fighting it in the natural, you're you're just giving all your time, your attention, your energy to something in the natural, and the devil's just beating you up. If you're fighting the wrong battle, you don't win. And so I want to teach you how to recognize when something spiritual is going on in your life. Number two, I want to teach you how to fight because it's not enough to recognize. You do need to know how to fight. And the Bible does skill us, it teaches us, it educates us on how we're able to fight. But this is most important. I want you to recognize, I want you to fight. Most important, agree with this, I want you to win. God has called you to win. You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. God has enabled you through what Christ has done as a believer to overcome the enemy. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to win. So I, I want you to get, look, want to teach on these things, but it's not to really, uh, it's not salacious, like what's the devil up to, or to look at like spiritual, you know. It's, it's to look at, hey, recognize this, fight against it so that you can win. So we'll begin with Ephesians chapter six, maybe one of the most uh, familiar passages on spiritual warfare and on the idea of the seen and the unseen. Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. And uh, this is his admonition. Really, I call this instructions for winning. If this is about winning, not just recognizing, not just fighting, but winning, I think these are instructions that he's given to the church to win. Therefore, here's what it means. If you do these things, you'll what? You'll win. Do you like to win? Okay, you must be a Bronco fan. So be strong. Just a plug, another plug. Be strong. Peyton Manning, send me a jersey and I'll wear it. Okay, Be strong. (laughs) As if he's watching, yes, okay, all right. Be strong, say that with me. Be strong, be strong. Look, the, the, whole, the whole idea here is not some, so look, we have the wrong idea about Jesus sometime. Uh, the one that we see in the Bible before the cross is not the one that we're to emulate. We are to become like the one who is resurrected, who is overcoming and who has put his foot on the devil's throat, So Paul's writing from that point of view, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Then he gives instruction, put on all, remember this word right here, all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies. Important word, I'll talk about it here in a minute, against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. And that's what makes this battle so difficult. Look, if it was flesh and blood and you could see it, most of you could react to it. Most of us know how to get our hands on something and choke it. But because it's unseen, it becomes all the more difficult to deal with, yes or no? So the idea here, all all the strategies of the devil, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, against authorities of the unseen world. And then it finishes up this way. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So he gives instructions here, not only for recognizing, for fighting, but for winning. The whole idea here is to stand strong, to make it through, to overcome, and to win. So with the idea that they are instructions for winning, I found four things in this passage. If you have a pen, you might want to write this in. That's fill in the blanks. Get one out real quick. If you use a device, that's great. One, be strong in the Lord. I mean, that is so clear. Here, here, let me me throw this out to you. Sometimes we read the Bible and we don't recognize that it's actually been put in the order it's in for a reason. He doesn't put be strong in the Lord last. He puts it first because more than any other way to fight the enemy is to be strong in the Lord. You can't fight him in your own power. So many of us spend our time in anger or dismay or or trying to rise up to see something happen for our family or for ourselves or in this world or community. And the truth of the matter is you can't do it in your own strength. You're not strong enough, you're not fast enough, you're not bright enough, unfortunately. But through God, you are well equipped to overcome the enemy. You can win, you can recognize, you can fight, you can win. It's possible, but you've got to be strong in the Lord. The, I, being strong in the Lord is what? What does that mean? It's a person who goes to church, a person who sings songs, a person who prays. What is that? I would say to put it in the most personal relationship, it's that right there. How's your relationship with God? How's your intimacy with God? Are you strong? Do you know about Him or do you know Him? Do you spend time with Him? Are you developed where when things happen, you know immediately this isn't just some physical problem, this is spiritual in nature. God is talking to me right now. How are you with God? You're strong in that relationship. So I would say to you, the devil probably concentrates most of his energy in keeping you disconnected from an intimate relationship with the Lord because if you're strong with God, you are powerful with God. But if you are weak in that area, here's what the book of Proverbs says, if you are weak in the day of trouble, you are weak indeed. The day of trouble is the spiritual battle. To be strong with God. First and most important issue to do in spiritual warfare is your relationship with God. In fact, I would say this with you, uh, or to you. If you, um, maybe the easiest way to do spiritual warfare is just to be strong with God. A lot of stuff in life can be handled through your relationship with God. You never have to, the best battle is to never have to lift a finger. Wouldn't it be great if your father just kind of smacked the enemy? No, think about that. Wouldn't that be a great way to fight a battle? It's what God offers us in relationship with him. The one who dwells in the presence of the Almighty. He then hides. He holds on to. He protects. I put as an example in here, and I need to give proper credit, Rebecca Murley, the other half of our mission's Department, uh, one of our great um, prayer warriors in this church, someone who prays diligently for me who who watches over me. we were having a conversation with staff and she brought this up it's David and Goliath, a story that most of us never never contemplate past the child story. a great big giant, a little bitty boy and he pulls out a stone and puts it in a slingshot and kills it. It's, it's a child's story. For, it's, it's unfortunate that we turn it into a coloring thing that our children bring to us after church. It's a powerful story, but she brought this to my attention. If you look at that story as a spiritual roadmap for how to fight the enemy, it might be more than just this really incredible story about little versus big. She pointed out that The whole idea of being strong in the Lord, in that story, you find David in his confrontation with Goliath saying these words, and I don't have time, it's the entire uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, I I can't put the whole chapter in here, but I put down exactly what happened when David confronted Goliath, this was how David said he won. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And then look at this confession. This day the Lord will deliver you into my. David did not say, This day I will beat you. This day I will put to the test all I've learned, all I've developed. There's a point when David actually describes, in tending my father's sheep, I've killed a bear and I've killed a lion. But he doesn't do that when he stands up here to Goliath. He says one thing, you have defied God and today God's going to give you into my hand. David was strong in God. He was not strong in his power, strong in his anointing, strong in his own ability. He was strong in God. Something to be said for that. Acts chapter 19. What an interesting passage of scripture. We taught about this recently the, the story where there are seven uh, sons of a Jewish high priest who got into the exorcism business. Why? You don't understand what I just... <laughs> if you have to fight the devil, do it, but you don't need to go out looking for the devil to fight. Wow. Much to be taught in this series. These seven guys decide to get into the... Exorcism business to cast the demonic out of people. The problem is they don't know; they have no spiritual power. Now, at some level, they've had some success because they've been in business, but they finally come up against a guy who has a lot of demons. Who's a? I mean, this guy's messed up. So they here's what they say: By the Jesus whom Paul preaches, we command you to come out. Notice the words: Not by the Jesus we serve not by the one who saved us, not by the one who has beaten the enemy on our, but by the Jesus that Paul talks about. Come on out. And the the demon speaks through the guy. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? How many of you know this is not going to turn out well at this point? (laughs) Find another line of work. So this guy the demonic in him rears up jumps on the seven beats them bloody strips them naked and down the street they go and it also is a road map for a spiritual battle you are not equipped in your own power to fight the devil he will beat you bloody and leave you naked he will take everything that you have if you try to fight him in your own power you cannot call on the name of Jesus whom Pastor John talks about listen to me right now this message is actually better understood By you participating, than letting me just teach you something. Not the Jesus whom John preaches, but the one who saved you. That Jesus. Be strong in God. I love that. The second thing I see in this, in instructions for winning a spiritual battle, here's what, what, what we read from the scripture put on all of God's armor. All of God's armor. What, what a small little, uh, little connecting word, all. So, so the armor of God, uh, it, it's, it's the, the, the truth, the, the, the preparation of the gospel of peace, which are our shoes. It's the helmet of salvation. It's the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. I, I mean, we're given offensive and defensive weapons, let me give you an example of why you need all of them. Forgive this worldly example, but it, this, is, this was so clear to me when I wrote it. Um, once upon a time, I used to love to ride motorcycles. Now, don't anymore. Sold my last one and gave it to the church recently. Something I said I would do back in the springtime. Never did report on that. I sold it and gave the money to the church. Todd, where are you? Pastor Todd. Todd's not in the service. Busted Todd. Todd. Shows up for prayer and now he's over at the restaurant. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to, I just didn't want you to think I'm saying. I, Todd's our business, he could say. You'll have to take my word for it. Um, when I first started riding, an entry level Harley is called a Sportster. For those who know, it's a smaller Harley. And I had this little Sporty, that was the nickname. I rode my Sporty around. I, I loved that motorcycle, rode it all the time. And Chris would beg me, put on a helmet, put on a helmet, put on a helmet. And one night, I take off, and uh, the sun's going down. It's about about this time of year right now. It was one of those last rides in a day like today, where you're just like, I'm going to have to put it up here for several months, I'm going to take the ride real quick. I'm going down, and I know the Holy Spirit told me, stop. So I gunned it so that I could drown out that noise in my head (laughs) and hear the exhaust pipes. And I headed down Santa Fe, and I got to Titan Road. Can you think about where I'm talking about? Titan Road, if you follow it back to the west, makes an elbow turn, sharp 45-degree turn, maybe a 90-degree right there. I come into that curb, and I accelerate out, and a deer darts right in front of the motorcycle, and I smack him, boom, broadside, and I separate from the motorcycle. And in my head, there was this voice, hold your head up and don't hit your head, and I did a Pete Rose slide right down the highway at about 50 miles an hour. And I I wasn't wearing gloves. I was wearing a T-shirt like this, tennis shoes, and blue jeans. And I cut myself to shreds. Now listen to this. I get up, the motorcycle's over here, the deer's over here, I push myself up, cars are coming, and I have the presence of mind to get out of the road before you get, you live, but don't get killed by a car now. So I step out of the road, and a car pulls up behind me, and it's Pastor Dan DeMay. <laughs> Dan goes, dude, are you okay? I saw the whole thing. I said, I don't know if I'm okay. Take me to my house or to the hospital, one or the other, but don't leave me standing here, man. This is, this is not good. A few articles of clothing are great if you're going to stand up here and teach. But if you're going to take on something and you don't have on the right equipment it's going to cut you to pieces. It's not enough to wear just gloves. It's not enough to wear just right shoes or a helmet. Listen, my head was safe, but my body was trashed, and I didn't have on the right equipment. And here's what many of us do when it comes to fighting the enemy. We'll pick up one piece of equipment like a sword, which is the Bible says the word of God, and we'll quote the word without putting anything else on. Think about it. We're really good at just quoting the word out there. So you got this one piece of equipment, but you're not, you don't have on all the equipment. So you can do one thing, but it beats you up in other areas. Let's think about it for just a moment. So, so like, uh, you know, pastor said, we're more than conquerors. Devil, I'm more than a conqueror. Yeah, you're using the word. But are you outfitted? Are you actually ready for a battle? Put on All the armor of God. Okay, that's a message I will teach in this series. I will hit it in about two weeks, I think. Maybe three. But I will teach on the armor of God, the necessity and what each of them represent. Let me give you the third one real quick from the scripture, instructions to win. Stand firm against strategies of the devil. Stand firm against strategies of the devil. So, in the Greek, the word "strategies" means "well-worn path." Well-worn path. Uh, Hebrew is a poetic language. It's not just simply um, it, when, it's, when it speaks; it's trying to describe a picture. So, so here would be the picture. Be standing firm, be aware, be, be understanding what the well-worn path is. Uh, have, have you ever seen a path? I, I use this example like in the mountains when you're driving by and you look, there's like zigzags on animals walk on paths. They don't just walk all over. Uh, if you're a hunter, you look for the game path. It's, it's the same picture that the enemy has a well-worn path in our life where he's the most effective working on me. and working. So my path is not your path. Your path is not my path. The devil knows how to tread that path into. I want you to think here for a minute. Is there a particular thing that works over and over in your life? So I I pull all my pastors and I ask them, what's the well-worn path? How is it that the devil can find entry into your life? What is it if you're not aware? Because here's what it says, be aware of the strategies. Be be aware when it happens. Most of us aren't even aware when it happens. We see the aftermath of what happened, and then we're like, "What happened?" It's a well-worn path. How does the devil most effectively able to get to you? So I asked our staff. I said, "Give me the words." What are here, here's mine? Was fatigue. The devil's path into my life is fatigue. If he can wear me out, he can walk that path easily and do destruction. The devil's goal in your life, by the way, listen, Jesus said this, the thief comes for one purpose and one purpose only, to steal, to kill, and to He has no other ambition with you. He wants to steal, he wants to kill you, and he wants to destroy you, but he's got to find an inroad into your life to sow those seeds. When I am deadly tired, listen, the devil can, my mind can go to the most negative places. I don't hear from God, I don't, it seems like my faith is just cold and so, all I just see only the natural, and I begin to speak what I see. I'm the only one in the room. More power to me, all right. Uh, Let me get off of mine then. Here were some of the other ones, insecurities. If you're a person who deals with insecurities, I know there's only two of us in the room, but if you're a person who deals with any insecurity, the enemy can use that as a well-worn path To come into you don't you fight an insecurity you don't recognize it as a path. So an insecurity can let in the enemy who then can sow destruction. So Paul's telling us be aware of the well-worn path so you can take your stand against it. Don't don't wait until afterwards to make a stand. Do it ahead of time. Here are some of the other ones: condemnation. Anybody ever struggle with condemnation? Anybody in here ever sin? Anybody in here feel like you're not supposed to sin because you're born again? Three of us. I'm going to ask one more time. Because if you don't feel that, your conscience is dead. Anybody in here feel like you're not supposed to sin because you love God? Of course. We feel. How about this? Maybe here's a better way. How many of you feel bad when you sin because you love God? Is that a better way to say it? Okay. That's condemnation. So the difference between conviction and condemnation would simply be this. Conviction is the Holy Spirit who's reminding you that's not who you really are. That's why we feel bad, that's not who I really am. Condemnation is the devil coming in your life and telling you, I told you that's who you were. That was dang good. <laughs> so write that down. The difference between condemnation and conviction. And condemnation can be an inroad when the enemy comes in. Who do you think, you, you aren't any of the, us, there's no change in, look at you. You're worse now than you were before the minute you take that bait, what seeds of destruction are sown into our soul? What do we now, what what begins to pop up in our life that we now direct our energy and attention to to fight? That's not, that's the physical, that's the aftermath of a spiritual attack. Did you just hear me? Most of us spend our time fighting what we can see and not the unseen where we could stop it. Hmm. Well that is, that's good. That's good. Listen, I, sometimes trust me, I'm not this smart. God sometimes speaks to me while I'm up here, and I'm like, "dang it that. Wow!" How about this? Shame or discouragement or distractions? One of my pastors said to me, the enemy is so effective at distracting me and getting me so busy that I'm not even paying attention when he comes in and boom. Paul tells us, be aware of the well-worn path so that you can take your stand. You've got to be on your guard. You have to be. You have an enemy without any mercy who's bent on three things in your life. Stealing, killing, destroying. It's constant bombardment. Let me give you the last one. Maybe this is the one just to pay attention to for a second. That scripture tells us, I'm putting this in my own words. The first three you can see directly from scripture. This one I'm putting into my own words. I think what Paul is telling us ultimately in this scripture, when he gives us an instruction for winning, he tells us to fight the right enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay, if you're married, how easy is it to fight the wrong enemy? To call the one that God gave you the enemy. So I, let, me, let me point this out to you real quick. Um, you can't see the wind, per se, but you can see the effect of the wind. All right, so if there is a hurricane or a tornado... Or, or some type of a windstorm that does intense damage. And we see the effect of it. How silly would it be to go next door to the neighbor and slap them for the wind? <laughs> That's crazy. That's insane. You'd go to jail for that. You agree? Okay, we laugh at it. I don't want you to think for a moment. It's the same effect of fighting the wrong enemy. To see the effect and to go to the wrong cause. You're not my enemy, sir. You're not my enemy. You're not my enemy. I'm not your enemy. But the devil is ours. America, listen, the church has been lulled into, I know people get upset when I say this, but hear me on this, we have been lulled into deceptive thinking That the problem with our country is a political problem. We have a spiritual problem in this country. We do not have a political problem. We have a spiritual problem. And here's how I know it I don't care who you elect, it cannot fix what's wrong. It is not a physical issue we lack today. We have lost our heart and our way, we have lost who we are and what we're about and where we're going. We waste our time. Yes, there are good politicians. Yes, there are moral laws. No, I'm not letting anyone off the hook for voting and doing the right thing. But our problem is not a political problem. It is a spiritual enemy who has laid waste to our country. And we twiddle our thumbs and fight people that are not our enemy. Rather than pray and seek God's face. Turn our own hearts to God. 1 John 3 8, the reason Jesus even appeared on this earth was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came, to destroy the works of the devil. When do we go? That's our job here now, to tear down the works of the devil. You know, it's really, it's not as hard as you think. Last week, any one of you who took a card to support a kid who's been robbed by the devil, you fought and tore down the works of the devil. That's what you did. When you pray, when you weep, when you care, when you cry out, it's all a form of spiritual warfare. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. God, the enemy is so effective at making us just eh, there's no nyeh in the kingdom of God. <laughs> the kingdom of this world is nyeh, but not the kingdom of our God. So I thought, hey, how, do I, how do I end this? Uh, how, do I, how do I give time to pray? We switch our service times this weekend to give a little more time to be able to, to do ministry. Uh, this afternoon, I'm on my couch, and the Lord reminded me of the first king of Israel, which was Saul. If you don't know, his name was King Saul. Saul was a powerful man of God at one point in his life, but he strayed. His heart got so far away from God. He served other gods. He he left the God that, that did everything for him. and His heart became so divided. And an evil spirit ended up tormenting him. It's such a sad story. An evil spirit torments this great once mighty king of God. And the only way he can get relief is for a shepherd boy named David to come in and play his instrument. David had an anointing on his life. And here's what would happen. This evil spirit would lift while David played. But hear this. As soon as David went away, this thing would settle back on his life again. And for the rest of his life, he was tormented by the enemy because this man would not repent. here's what i felt like the holy spirit told me to say and i know it's not for everybody but i'm going to be specific and i'm going to be bold and i'm just going to lay it out there if you in your life feel like the enemy it's like when you get around church or you get around the things of god or even when i'm teeth you feel it lift but as soon as you leave here it comes right back on you again you are being tormented friend You don't have to put up with it any longer. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to just accept. It just really doesn't work like the Bible says or what what pastor says. It just doesn't seem to. You can have what God said you can have. You can be free. It was for freedom that Jesus set us free. To tear down the works of the devil. So I want you to think for a moment. When the enemy, is it just like in areas of your life, he's just... He's wreaking such havoc. Your family. Your mind. Your dreams. Your heart. Your relationship. What is it that everyone, it just lifts when you get around the presence of God, but as soon as you go back into the world... God wants to set you free. It's bold. It's almost like a separating word, isn't it? If that's you and you need prayer, I need you to stand. That's what I'm going to do. How bad do you need prayer? Thank you. I see you. Just look. you just got to be bold right now. It's just going to take a little boldness. Every one of our Campuses. As you you stand and respond, God's heart. This is the Father's heart. It's to set at liberty the captive, to heal the brokenhearted, to open blind eyes, to put God's favor on His people so that that's what we walk with and we contain, we live out of. While the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, Jesus came to bring us life and not just any life but abundant life. That's what he promised. That's what he promised. For every one of you who boldly stand right now because you wanna be set free, I pray over you the only name under heaven by which is possible his name is Jesus I break off of you the lies of the enemy I break off of you curses that the devil would speak over your life and try to hold you with I break off of you the decision of sin even that thing where even if it was intentional God puts his hand out again he puts his hand out again to reconcile us to himself if you find dreams and hopes in your heart being divided from you and trampled under the feet of the enemy in the name of Jesus I on your behalf speak up right now I say no to those things it's not what God has for you I speak this over your life that the devil is a liar that he will not be happy about this message, but it doesn't matter if he's happy or not. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Now listen, I want you to hear me. This is not because of the Jesus whom Pastor John preaches this is done. This is done by the Jesus that you serve. Do you serve him? Do you know him and do you love him? Solidify your heart on that issue right now. God, we cry out for your help. We cry out for your mercy. We cry out for the power right now. that's in the blood of Christ. Set at liberty every captive in this place and then fill it with the blood of Jesus so that the enemy can't come back in. God, what you chase away right now, God, throw it to the outer darkness and don't let it come back. Father, instead, put the robe of righteousness around the shoulders of your people. (laughs) The ring of friendship, sonship, daughters. God, draw us back into the place that Jesus died to give us. Set us free right now. God, I thank you for this. God, help us to reinforce this right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Before I walk off and finish... Um, for this message I feel the necessity to say the scripture teaches Jesus taught that when the enemy is confronted in a spiritual dimension through the power of God he has to flee he has to but then he tries to come back okay you cannot go home this afternoon or Sunday afternoon or Monday morning or Tuesday when you go to work whatever it's you cannot go by the Jesus that John preached about this weekend. The devil will look at you and go, Jesus, I know, and I've heard John, but who are you? Where are you at with God? Make your stand on the things of God. Build your house on Jesus, man. He is the rock. Make your decision this weekend. Tell God, it's for me and my house. I want you. That's what I want. It's where I plant myself at. That's where you make your stand. That's where you shore up those inroads in your life. It's with your relationship with God. Hey, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May your confidence be in Him. May the Lord keep at bay your enemy. May the Lord cause you to rise up and be exactly what Jesus said we are, more than conquerors. More than. God, we bless you and we thank you for that now. We pray in your name. If you agree, say amen. amen. Thanks, church.